in a minute, Pat's going to read the scripture reading for today, but I want to share a little bit about uh, what's happening with you before she does that. Um, in the first chapter of Acts, Jesus tells his disciples, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so it happens, the Spirit of God does come upon them and, the, and the, after that happens, God is on the move encouraging, nudging, guiding those first Christians to take the gospel wherever they are, to share it with whomever they are with. So here's where we are in the eighth chapter of Acts. Despite opposition from the Jerusalem religious leaders, the fledgling church led by Peter and John is continuing to draw new converts, but like any new enterprise, it has some growing pains. There are arguments about the distribution of food to the poor, which distract the apostles from doing their primary work of preaching and of praying. And so they decide to elect seven men of good character to take over that part of the ministry. After one of these deacons, a man named Stephen, is arrested and stoned to death, the church's opponents begin to persecute these new Christians in earnest. This causes the church members to scatter, taking the message of Jesus Christ with them. Among them is a deacon named Philip, who decides to go to, of all places, the area called Samaria. His preaching campaign there is wildly successful, so much so that Peter and John bestir themselves and come out of Jerusalem to check it all out. Their arrival in Samaria brings Peter's work there to an end, but God is not through with him just yet. Listen now to one of the most fantastic stories in the New Testament. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candides, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb silent before its shearers, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation, for his life was taken away from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask, does this prophet say this, about himself or someone else? Then Philip began to speak and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. 
As they were going along the road, they take, came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is some water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus. As he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Thank you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In a podcast on this text, theologian Matt Skinner has this to say about it. The story of Acts is having a lot of fun, telling the wild connections that the Spirit is free to make as a way of showing the kind of open horizons that stand before the Word of God that is just now venturing out of Judea. He goes on, do you believe that anything is possible? Because this story is what it would look like. And indeed, this is a wild, crazy story. So this angel prompts Philip to leave his fruitful ministry in Samaria and to travel down a desolate road between Jerusalem and Gaza. Yes, that Gaza. And there, in the middle of nowhere, he encounters, of all things, an official of the Ethiopian court sitting in his chariot and reading. And what is this man reading? The words of a Jewish prophet. Now, how improbable is that? And as if that wasn't enough, these men could not have been more different. Philip is an ordinary Jewish man born in Caesarea, a port city in northern Israel, and the father, we are told in Acts 21, of four daughters. The man in the chariot is an African, trusted enough by his queen to be in charge of her entire treasury, wealthy enough to travel by chariot and to possess a scroll, and educated enough to read Greek. By accident, choice, or royal decree, he is also a eunuch, unable to bear children, to present, have children, and he is also devout enough to make a pilgrimage all the way to the Jerusalem temple. Sadly, this man's long and undoubtedly perilous journey most likely ended in disappointment, for according to Jewish law, his sexual status alone would have prevented him from taking part in temple worship. And even if he had been allowed to enter the temple grounds, his ethnicity would have restricted him to the area reserved for Gentiles and foreigners. As much as he longed to worship in the temple, this man is an outsider, a spiritual outcast. When Philip sees the man in the chariot, I imagine his first thought might be to turn and go the other way. But the spirit says, go. Go and run alongside. And as he does this, he's astonished to hear the black man in the chariot reading aloud very familiar words. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb that is silent before its shears, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. These words are from the last of four so-called servant songs in the book of Isaiah. 
And it's a song that describes a suffering servant who is despised and rejected, cut off from his people and from very life itself. Hearing these words, Philip just can't contain himself. And he says to the Ethiopian, do you understand what you are reading? To which the Ethiopian responds, how can I unless someone guides me? Here is a man who longs to know more, who is searching the scripture for something to quench his search for God, something to tell them that he too is included in God's promises, something that will give him hope. Now, as a practicing Jew, Philip would ordinarily have avoided contact with such a man, someone who looked and sounded very different from himself, someone who was clearly an outsider. But God is on the move, and Philip has become sensitive to the Spirit's working, and when the Ethiopian invites him to join him on his chariot ride, Philip accepts his invitation, and so begins a most unlikely conversation. As soon as he sits down, the eunuch asks Philip a question. About whom does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Oh, the spirit has opened this man's heart, and Philip knows it, and so he immediately begins to speak about Jesus. That's all we know. But oh, don't you wish you knew what he said? I wonder, what did he say to him? Did he tell him that Jesus welcomed outcasts and ate with sinners? Did he tell him how Jesus touched lepers and healed the sick? Did he share the stories of the good Samaritan or the prodigal father? Given the scripture before them, he surely told the Ethiopian how Jesus had been unjustly tried and humiliated and how he had suffered. And surely he told him how this same Jesus was raised from the dead and exalted by God. And surely, surely Peter told Peter, excuse me, Philip told him how knowing Jesus had changed his life, giving him a people, a place, a purpose. I wonder. And I wonder what the Ethiopian said to Philip. Did he tell Philip about the faith that had prompted him to go so far away from home? Did he share the pain that he felt when he was turned away at the temple? Did he express his longing to know that he was acceptable to God despite who and what he was? I wonder, I wonder. You know, I have a feeling that as they rode in the chariot together, these two men discovered that they had things in common, a love of homeland, a hunger to know God, a yearning for acceptance, for forgiveness, for peace, all those things for which you and I also long. In the end, the Ethiopian eunuch received the good news of Jesus Christ from Philip. And Philip? Well, Philip received a new understanding of the wideness of God's mercy. Perhaps he even thought of other verses in Isaiah, that the ones that read, do not let the foreigner join to God say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, 
to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath that do not profane it and hold fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples." Now comes the most amazing part of the story. As they travel along, the Ethiopian sees a pool in the desert and says, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? Do you hear the longing and the hope in that question? Is my ethnicity or my nationality or my sexual status status a barrier? Does the one who cared for outcasts care for me too? Do I have a place, a future in his family? Is there hope for me? Am I welcome? Do I too belong? So many people in our day have asked and are asking that those same questions. So many feel rejected or excluded. You can name them as well as I. The poor and the homeless, those suffering from physical or mental illness, people of color, men and women whose voices are struggling to be heard, people who were born in another country or whose parents and grandparents were immigrants, people who are disability, have disabilities or learning disabilities in some way, with the Ethiopian, they ask of God and of us, what is to prevent me from being baptized? Can I too belong? Will God welcome me? You are to be my witnesses. As followers of Jesus, we are meant to welcome everyone in his name and to share the faith that we have received. It's kind of hard for most of us, isn't it? We're uncomfortable with people who are different from us. And as for sharing our faith with others, well, we might be seen as odd or, or pushy or we might say something wrong. And I can totally relate to that. Talking about faith is a challenge even for those of us who are preachers. But God is still on the move. And sometime, someday, we might be surprised to find ourselves talking with someone who, like the Ethiopian eunuch, is longing for assurance and yearning to know peace. Someone who wants to know more, to learn about God. When that time happens, it's then that we need to remember that we have not been left to our own devices. We have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit can and will help to guide us to share simply and graciously and kindly 
the gifts that we have received. On the other hand, perhaps you know all too well how the Ethiopian felt. Maybe you too are hungry to hear good news, hungry to know that someone cares about you, thirsty to hear words that tell you that you are accepted, that you belong, that you are loved. Maybe you too are asking, what is to prevent me from being baptized? If so, then listen. And if you hear nothing else in this sermon, hear this. Nothing stands between you and the grace of God. You are accepted. You belong to God's family. You are loved, and nothing can ever take that love away from you. Nothing can ever separate you from the love of God. What is to prevent you from being baptized? The answer is this. Nothing. Nothing at all. We in the church have a tendency to put too many things in the way to say, oh, you need to take this class, or you need to answer these questions, or you need to do this or that. Or maybe the candles aren't ready yet, or there's no water in the baptismal font. Well, none of that matters. When it comes right down to it, the only things that matters is the desire to receive the gift of God's love and grace. The Ethiopian said to Philip, see, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? And held his breath, waiting. And Philip, Philip said, nothing, nothing at all. And they got down from the chariot, and the Ethiopian received what his heart most desired, the grace and the love of God. That same grace is ours. See, here is water. Does anyone else want to be baptized today? If so, I invite you to come forward as we sing the next hymn, 2161, to know you more. Let us sing together. <laughs>